You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. Are you ready to change your life in the next 30 minutes? It's time for Power in a Half Hour with Coach Mark. Get your notebooks ready. He's about to go in. Five, four, three, two, one. Coach Mark, let's go. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. This is Coach Mark, and you're listening to Power in a Half Hour. In the next 30 minutes, we're going to learn the tips, tricks, and techniques of the rich and the super successful because if you want to become successful the easiest way to do that is to do what other successful people do and trust me today's show is going to be amazing the title of today's show is think like the rich think like the rich and the quote that i want to start the show off with is both poverty and riches are the offspring of your thinking and your faith. Ooh, let me say that one again. Both poverty and riches are the offspring of your thinking and your faith. All right. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, just want to remind you, if you want to ever go back and re-listen to uh, any of the previous shows, all you have to do is go to www.powerhh.com. That's www powerhh.com all right and you can listen to the call-in versions of uh these shows that i do live every monday night at 9 p.m eastern standard time in america all right and if you ever want to call into that live show you can the number for that is 1-404-793-7050 i do them every monday night at 9 p.m eastern standard time all right i'm coming up on my one year anniversary I want to remind you that if we're not friends on Facebook, go ahead and add me. My name on Facebook is Mark Starr, or just search for The Real Mark Starr. And we also have a Power and a Half Hour Facebook group. So if you're not a part of that group, send a request, and we will be glad to have you come into our group. I have a daily message service called Be Better Daily. To be a part of that, all you got to do is text BBD, all right, BBD to 411-247. So text BBD, as in boy, boy, dog, right? BBD to 411247, all right? Uh, If you have not downloaded my new book, I'm giving it away absolutely free, probably for a short time, uh, a a little bit longer. Uh, And all you have to do to download it is go to www.repeataftermebook.com. That's www.repeataftermebook.com. Dot com And it's going to ask you to put your information in and go ahead and put it in and you will get the book for absolutely free. Trust me, it's worth its weight in gold. OK. All right. So let's go ahead and get started. Profile number one, Salvador Oshiro. Now, this story is a little bit different than what I normally do. So just pay attention. Now, Salvador is a taxi driver in Houston, Texas. He works primarily from the Bush Intercontinental Airport since 2009. Salvador owns his own taxi but leases the permit giving him the right to drive. Now, up until early this year, he drove about 66 hours a week, that's 11 hours a day for six days a week, and earned $30,000 a year after taxes and expenses. Now, this was just enough to cover his groceries and his mortgage in a Houston suburb 
suburban neighborhood. Now, Salvador usually waited an average of three hours between customers wanting a ride into town from the airport. Now, he would use the time that he had, that all that extra free time, to chat with other drivers, lift weights, and watch TV. But this year, with the competition of Uber, Salvador would wait up to four to five hours to pick up a fare. Now, since January, he started coming up short as his income dropped 30%. He stretched his workday from 11 hours a day to 15 hours a day just to be able to keep up with his bills. Frustrated, Salvador decided he would take his wife's SUV and try Uber. Now, although he only makes half the the rate per mile that he would drive in his taxi, Uber gives him way more customers that are all the same customers that would have previously rode his taxis. Now, Salvador is a prime example of what can happen to you if you're not improving your skills and you allow opportunity to pass you by. Now, the biggest mistakes that I feel that Salvador made was, number one, he settled initially for just enough money to pay his bills and his mortgage. It was like he was happy with just making enough money. All right. Number two, he would spend his free time between fairs, chatting, lifting weights and watching TV. He would have three or four spare hours between each fair that he could have used to start another business or learn another skill or just improve himself. Essentially, I think he had about, he was doing maybe about two or three fairs a day. So he would literally have anywhere from eight to nine hours a day free time that he would just blow away. He would just not do anything. Right. And he could be using that time to learn another skill, to do something that can take his life to another level, to make so much more money. But what did he do with his time? Just chatted, lift weights, watch TV, kicked it around and wasted the time. Kind of almost deserves to be in the position that he's in, in my opinion. Number three, Salvador is thinking about switching to Uber permanently, but he feels that if he becomes a full-time Uber driver, he will have to work harder and drive more. Now, Salvador is not looking correctly at the opportunity he has to work harder with Uber because he also has the potential to make much more money, but he's afraid to do more work. And this is just a, a, a classic example that, you know what, Everything is going to change. Things are changing. If you don't change with it, if you don't take advantage of opportunities, you're going to end up being just like Salvador. All right. Profile number two, Ferruccio Lamborghini. Now, Ferruccio is the creator of the Lamborghini sports car company. The company didn't start out as a car manufacturer, but it was originally a tractor company as they would provide tractors from military surplus vehicles. Now, in the beginning, Ferruccio was, a, was building an average of one tractor a month, but the business soon became very successful, allowing him to expand the business to manufacturing oil-burning heaters and air conditioning units for buildings. Now, Mr. Lamborghini was also a car lover and owned quite a few sports cars with the Ferrari 250 GT being one of them. Now, Mr. Lamborghini became frustrated with the problems he had with the clutch in his Ferrari, so he decided to go and visit Enzo Ferrari, who is the founder of Ferrari. Now, when he visited Mr. Ferrari, Mr. Ferrari responded to Mr. Lamborghini's complaints with, the problem is not with the car, but with the driver. Mr. Ferrari then went on to advise him to look after his tractors instead. He kind of dissed them, right? Now, this was not only an insult, but it was also an open challenge. 
Now, with the wealth that he had from his successful tractor business, Mr. Lamborghini decided to build his own car with a V12 engine and founded his own auto factory. Mr. Lamborghini then hired some of Ferrari's ex-employees and their jobs became very clear. They were on a mission to create a luxurious, powerful GT that would reach 150 miles an hour. Now, the result was the Lamborghini 350 GT and the rest, as they say, is history. What's the lesson that we pull out of here? Don't tick off your customers because they could become your biggest competitors. Here it is. This guy started out with nothing, right? Built his company up, became very successful making tractors, right? Was supporting Mr. Ferrari. Mr. Ferrari disses him. Then he goes off and builds his own car company to compete with the Ferrari, the Lamborghini, still around today and still making beautiful cars. All right. Profile number three, Michael Shreve. Now, Michael recently did a blog post on how he made one million dollars the hard way. It actually took Michael six years to make a half million dollars before he lost it all and became homeless not only once but twice with his pregnant wife. After losing everything, it took Michael 15 months to make his first million dollars. Now, Michael outlines his journey in these four steps. Step number one. And now these are Michael's steps. All right. Step number one, try everything. Michael says that you just have to try different things and let the results decide what works and what doesn't work. He says to make good business decisions, you're going to need hard data. You can either buy it for thousands of dollars or you can learn from doing your own active testing. Now, Michael has started over nine businesses in which all of them have failed except for two. He has written 36 books and he has hired and fired over 47 staff members and made money, lost money, then made money back the money twice over again over the past year. Michael doesn't wait to decide. He just does it. If he has an idea for a book, he doesn't think about it. He just writes it. All right. Most times we try to predict the future and our outcomes, but we can't. All we can do is apply action to our ideas and wait to see what works and what doesn't work. Right. He doesn't sit around and mull over an idea for a year or two. If he has an idea for a book, he says, you know what? I got this idea. Let me go ahead and do it. Let me go ahead and do it. And that's what successful people do. They don't sit there and wait five years, 10 years to kick off one idea. They make up their mind. They get an idea. They make up their mind and they just do it. They're not worried about failure. They know that they're going to fail in a bunch of different things. I was just watching a documentary a little bit before this call about two hours ago on um, Mark Zuckerberg. And I look at all the mistakes that Mark Zuckerberg made with Facebook. And the thing that I admire about him is that he was not afraid to make mistakes and is still making mistakes, right? But that's why he has a company that's worth, what is it, $250, $300 billion right now? Because he'll try things, right? And then he gets a lot of backlash. But you know what? He's not afraid to take risks. He's not afraid to try different things. Step number two, stop whining and start serving. Now, Michael says that following your passion can be a terrible way to make a million dollars. Now, this goes against what a lot of other people say. But hear him out on this. He says that saying, but it's my passion, isn't a compelling argument for money to change hands. People don't care about what you like no matter how many times you post about it on Facebook or tweet about it. 
People only care about how you can help them solve their problem, which is so very true. This doesn't mean that people are evil, but just like me and you, most people are self-centered. Their world is important to them. That's the most important thing to them, right? That's why it's very important for us to create things for other people that they need, right? Not what we think they need, not what we need, but what they need. We need to figure out how we can serve the needs of others. Your bank account is a direct reflection of the value that you provide to others in the marketplace. I've said this time and time over again. Your bank account is a direct reflection of the value that you provide to others in the marketplace. So if your bank account is not looking right, it's because you're not providing enough value to others in the marketplace, right? Michael gives the example of the difference between someone writing a book for themselves and someone writing a book for their audience, right? A lot of things we do with ourselves in mind, and that's cool, but if other people don't need it, we're not going to make any money off of it. It may be something great for us to do, but if we want to make money, we need to cater to the needs of others, all right? Now, I personally feel that you can do whatever you are passionate about, but you need to figure out how it could be of benefit and of service to others. Let me repeat that. You can do whatever it is that you are passionate about, but you need to figure out how it could be a benefit and of service to others, Now, we just always have to remember that people aren't going to pay you for what you are interested in, but for you to provide a solution to their problem. Now, usually something that is a problem for you is a problem for someone else. So the same solution you use can benefit someone else. Step number three, don't give up ever. Quite simply, pick something and don't stop doing it until you've accomplished what you've set out to accomplish. All right. And step number four. He says, ignore this advice. Now, Michael says to ignore everything he just shared with you, or what he probably means is don't just take his word for it, but get out there and figure it out for yourself. There is no golden ticket, no millionaire blueprint, no treasure map. If you really want to be successful, you just have to get out there and give it all that you have. That's from Michael, all right? Now, it was Nelson Mandela that said poverty is not an accident. Like slavery and apartheid, it is man-made and can be removed by the actions of human beings. Now, I believe that the reason that most people continue to stay in poverty is because they have a poverty consciousness. Now, poverty consciousness is a set of attitudes, beliefs, and feelings and values associated with material lack or fear of material lack. Now, poverty consciousness equals a belief in limitation and almost always includes fear. Now, contrary to what most people think, poverty consciousness is not directly related to the amount of money that one has. It is the relationship that one has to money or to material possessions. Now, if you worry about not having enough money, then you have a poverty consciousness. If you believe that there is not enough for everyone in the world, then you have a poverty consciousness. Now, you can live in conditions of poverty without necessarily having a poverty consciousness, which is a state of mind and heart. Poverty consciousness is more about a person's thoughts and feelings towards money. Now, you cannot have negative thoughts and feelings towards money and expect to have an abundance of it in your life. Let me repeat that because that is very, very important. 
You cannot have negative thoughts and feelings towards money and expect to have an abundance of it in your life. Now, if you believe that you don't deserve to be wealthy or you think money is filthy, you will always get what you truly think, feel, and believe. Now, if you have a negative attitude towards money, you will not try hard to get it. You won't pay attention to opportunities and you may make errors that could cause you to lose the little bit of money that you do have. Now, on the other hand, if your attitude is positive and you're open and willing to have it in your life, you will attract money into your lives in all kinds of various ways. Now, most people that lack money say that they if they wish they had more money, but deep in their subconscious mind, they repel, they repel, they repel any opportunity to improve their situation. And it always will be difficult to attract money if you are negative about it. You can't track, you cannot attract something that deep in your heart you despise. Most people don't even realize it, but they despise money. Now, if you want to attract money, you have to get rid of all the negative thoughts and attitudes towards money. Now, most of us have a poverty consciousness because of negative verbal programming that we experienced when we were growing up. We constantly heard phrases like, and I know you guys have heard it because I heard it, and, it, and it, that's what gave me a poverty consciousness, right, for a long time until I changed it. Money is the root of all evil. I think that's probably the most popular one. Save your money for a rainy day. Rich people are greedy and are all criminals. Money doesn't grow on trees. Uh, We may have heard the term that someone is filthy rich. Money doesn't buy happiness. You can't be rich and spiritual. The rich just keep getting richer and the poor just keep getting poorer. There's never enough to go around. Not everybody can be rich or we can't afford that. These are all the negative statements that we repeatedly heard over and over that helped to form our negative poverty consciousness. Now, our subconscious mind that runs everything that we do, whether we know it or not, will always choose what has been deeply planted in our minds over what's logical. That's why some people continue to make the same mistakes over and over again, although they should know better. So let's let's now look at some of the key differences between someone that has an abundant mindset versus someone that has a poverty mindset. All right. The poverty mindset, there's not enough to go around. The abundant mindset, there's more than enough to go around. Poverty mindset, stingy with knowledge, contacts, and compassion. Abundant mindset, happy to share knowledge, contacts, and compassion. The poverty mindset, they ask themselves, how can I get by by doing less than what's expected of me? The abundant mindset, ask themselves, how can I give more than expected? The poverty mindset, pessimistic about the future they always are saying that man there's tough times coming ahead the abundant mindset optimistic about the future the best is yet to come the poverty mindset thinks small and avoids risk the abundant mindset thinks big and embraces risk the poverty mindset seeks outside approval the abundant mindset builds internal confidence The poverty mindset hoards cash. The abundant mindset keeps money moving. The poverty mindset always complains. The abundant mindset gives gratitude all the time. The poverty mindset 
feels that they are losing when they give. The abundant mindset understands that the more they give, the more that they will receive. The poverty mindset. I win equals you losing. The abundant mindset knows that if I win and you win, then we all win. The poverty mindset focuses on cost. The abundant mindset focuses on results. All right. Now, just because we may have a poverty consciousness right now doesn't mean that we are sentenced to a life of poverty consciousness. Once we become aware of the problem, we can take steps to retrain our minds. The easiest way to do this is to model those that have an an abundant mindset. So let's look at some of the ways that rich people think. All right. Number one, rich people think I create my life. They realize that them and only them are in control of their lives. Things don't happen by chance. Things happen by choice. Let me say that again. Things do not happen by chance. Things happen by choice. They don't blame the president, the economy, everything else that's going on. No, they understand that they are in control of their lives. Yes, these things are happening. Yes, these things are out there, but they are still in control of their lives, right? They take full responsibility of their lives. Number two, rich people play the money game to win. If your aim is just to be comfortable, you will never become rich. You have to aim for riches to become rich. Number three, Rich people are committed to being rich. Now, average people would like to be rich. It'd be cool to be rich, but that's not enough to become rich. The rich are committed and determined. So you have to ask yourself, are you interested or are you committed? There's a huge difference, right? All of us are interested in becoming rich, but how many of us are really committed to becoming rich? And it doesn't matter what you say. It's all about your actions, If you're not doing the things that rich people do, if you're not working hard, diligently towards becoming rich, it ain't going to happen. Unless you know how to pick the lottery. Unless you have a rich uncle that leaves you a bunch of money. Most of us don't. I know I don't. Number four, rich people think big. We can accomplish anything we can envision. We get what we think on. So if we think small, we will get small. To get something big, we have to start thinking big. Number five, rich people focus on opportunities. Now, the average see only obstacles. The rich see opportunities. The rich see everything as a blessing, even what most others consider to be a curse. And there's a quote that I have in my book that I came up that Everything in life is either a lesson or a blessing. And when your perspective is right, the lessons are blessings. Number six, rich people admire other rich and successful people. People with poverty mindset gets jealous when they see successful people. You can never attract wealth by being jealous of wealth. I know you guys know some of these people. You have some of your friends that they're always talking. Oh, man, he's a crook. All rich people are crooks. I can tell you this. They will never, ever become rich. They will never have an abundance of money in their um, in their life. Number seven, rich people know that they are bigger than their problems. 
Rich people don't run from problems. They realize that everyone has problems, but it's how you react to your problems that define you. And you have to understand and you have to know that you are bigger than your problems, right? Any problem that you have, you can overcome it. Number eight, rich people are excellent receivers. Now, to earn large sums of money for your work and your products, you must feel worthy of receiving large sums of money. If you don't feel worthy, it will never, ever come to you. Now, this is definitely a lesson that I learned about two years ago. Now, a technique to help you become a better receiver would be when someone offers you a compliment, just accept the compliment and say thank you. Don't try to look for something to compliment the person back with. Right. There's a quote or a saying or whatever that says it's better to give than to receive. And that's not really what it says. What it really says is that it's better to be in a position to give than to receive. But if you think about it like this, if there is no one to receive, then you can't give. And we know that that's how we get blessed. That's how we take our lives to another level is by giving. So somebody has to receive. So there's nothing wrong with receiving. There's absolutely nothing wrong with receiving. Now, it's better to be in a position to give, right? And we all want to be in a position where we can give and help as many people as possible. But there is nothing wrong with receiving. And some of us have a really hard time receiving anything, whether it be compliments, money for our services. Some of us shoot ourselves in the foot. We we provide a, a phenomenal service to people, and we're always shooting ourselves in the foot. Number nine. Rich people choose to get paid based on results, not for their time. If you want to become rich, you have to choose to work in a pay-for-performance environment. Let me say that again. If you want to become rich, you have to choose to work in a pay-for-performance environment. Because I can tell you this, you will not get rich by working an hourly wage. It's not going to happen. Either in your own business or in a commission-based or bonus-based job. You will not become rich if someone's paying you per hour for your time. All right? Number 10, rich people have money work hard for them. Once they have money that's saved up, they invest it because they understand that money will either be your slave or your master. Either you work for money or money works for you. There's no in-between. Number 11, rich people act in spite of fear. They also get afraid, but they don't allow the fear to paralyze them. Right? I was watching this show with uh, Timothy Ferris, the guy that wrote 4-Hour Workweek, and he does these crazy things. And I was really surprised that he was, I think he took up doing some kind of um, rally car driving. And he was afraid because it was very dangerous. But you know what? He just stepped right into it. And that's what I realized about rich. They get afraid just like everybody else, but they don't allow that fear to paralyze them. And number 12, rich people constantly learn and grow. They understand that knowledge does not equal power. Let me repeat that. Knowledge does not equal power. It's knowledge plus action that equals power. Now, wasn't that an absolutely amazing show? Woo! You got to go back and re-listen to that. (laughs) Right. I've gone back and re-listened to it three times myself. So you're going to have to go back and re-listen to that show. Trust me, because I dropped a lot of jewels in there. 
Uh, if you want to go back and re-listen, all you got to do is go to www.powerhh.com and you can go back and re-listen to not only that show, but uh, I think I have about 50 other shows on there, 49 other shows on there, and you can listen to all of those. Now, you know that you have three friends that should have heard this show. So tell them about the station that you're listening to it on, what time it comes on so they can start listening to improve their lives as well, right? And get them the website, www.powerhh.com, so they can go back. Because guess what? We don't want broke friends, right? We want our friends to be successful just like we're becoming successful, right? It's more fun. Because if you're the one that has all the success and all the money, then they're going to be bumming off of you, and we don't want that, right? Um, so make sure that we share this with three of our friends. And, and don't forget to tell them to download my book for free, www dot repeat after me book.com i've been having so many wonderful testimonials you know i had a young lady on my live call uh, a couple days ago tell me on how her and her husband had been listening to my show since i have started doing it and they have in, in just in the time just strictly off of the principles that i talk about which aren't my principles right i just study the rich and super successful people and i just share the same things that i learned so it's not me it's just the principles and the principles work if you work them right but she says that just from listening to my show her husband has tripled his income within the last year so this stuff works and if you want change in your life, you have to work it. Now, it's not going to happen by you just listening to the show, but I'm talking about you implementing the same principles that I talk about every single week. I can promise you this. You implement it into your life, you're going to see change. You are going to see absolute change in your life, all right? And the quote that I want to end today's show with is, abundance is not something we acquire. It is something we tune into. Let me say that again. Abundance is not something we acquire. It is something we tune into. And that's from my dear mentor, Wayne Dyer. Rest in peace. Thank you. And until next week. Thanks for listening to Power in a Half Hour with Coach Mark. To listen or re-listen, go to powerinahalfhour.com. Follow Coach Mark on Instagram and Twitter at Coach Mark Speaks. Find Coach Mark on Facebook by searching for Mark Starr. Like our Facebook fan page, Power in a Half Hour, and join our Power in a Half Hour Facebook group. See you next week. You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network.